0: This is Jules, your host of All Things Iceland Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. I had the pleasure of sitting down with the awesome and very knowledgeable Icelandic herbalist, Anna Rosa Robertsdóttir. She specializes in the use of Icelandic medicinal herbs and has been providing her services to people in Iceland for several decades. Before jumping into her interview, though... I have to mention the funny way in which Anna Rosa and I ended up being connected. One day, I walked into an appleteck in Iceland called Jörða Appleteck to buy some rosebud tea. And actually, it was my first time in that shop, so I happened to be looking around more than usual if I were just to go to a place that I've normally been. And as I was checking out, I saw a book about Icelandic herbs on the counter. The immediate thought that came into my head was, oh... I would love to interview the person that wrote this book for the podcast because I find the topic of Icelandic herbs to be quite interesting. So I snapped a picture of the book, bought my tea, and went on about my day. I think it was about a week or so later that Anna Rosa and I became linked up. Maybe it was a sheer coincidence or fate, but we both happened to have signed up for the same digital course and started messaging each other. Eventually, it dawned on me That she is the same person that wrote the book that I had snapped a picture of about a week prior. We both laughed at this and eventually we were able to set up an interview in her office. Anna Rosa was a delight to chat with, and I love that her new skincare line, which is the one she'll be exporting, so she already has a skincare line and, and products here in Iceland. But she decided to create a new skincare line specifically to export. And the reason behind that was to help empower refugees. You can find a link to her skincare line in the show notes of this episode on allthingsisoncom forward slash Anna-Rosa. And of course, she will be talking about it during this interview, so you can just find out more as you listen. And of course, I hope you enjoy listening to this interview and that you share it with others who you think would enjoy it as well. I especially encourage you to share this one because Ana Rosa's mission to help refugees is such a powerful one, and it would be amazing to spread the word about this as much as possible. Also, please a review on whichever platform you are using to download and listen to the show. at <laughs> og Anna Rosa, thank you for sitting down to chat with me today. Thank you. My pleasure. And we're just going to start off by getting a little, to know you a little bit, because I'm super curious about what inspired you to become an herbalist. Right. Okay. Um, it's a bit
1: of a funny story. So I'm like 21, didn't know at all what I was going to do with my life. I'd finished my A-levels and I was working at the um, psych- psychiatric hospital. Which was fine, but I just really didn't know what to do. And at that time, because I'm that old, there wasn't such an emphasis as you really had to go and study.
0: Mm. So my
1: parents weren't worried. Nobody was worried that I wasn't going to university or anything like that. Yeah, it's different 30 years ago, you know, than now. Anyway, so um, I read the newspaper one day and there was this article about interviewed with a herbalist. And I'd never even heard the word Uh, Well, I had heard the word, but I didn't know you could actually study it and work as a herbalist, like professionally. I had absolutely no idea. But I read that article and it was like light bulbs going off in my head. And I was just like, I have to be a herbalist. (laughs) I just absolutely had no choice about it, literally. It was literally that strong. And so I read that interview probably a few times and applied to school like the next day. What uh, yeah, I know was it an Icelandic herbalist that you were reading yes, about. Yes, it was actually the first one who was educated abroad and okay. then came back, and, and and she was already making a living out of it. And uh, so I went and applied to school, talked to to that herbalist, and uh, and five months later I was studying. I nice, the school. So it was, and it's it wasn't like it was a spur of a moment like. I'm just going to do something with such a strong calling. Yeah. I had absolutely no choice about it. It's like, yes, I have to be a herbalist. Okay. <laughs> this was very weird. Yeah. Considering <laughs> nobody was working like that in Iceland. Almost. Yeah. Like, very few people. And um nobody
0: knew what I was going to do. Yeah. And if I
1: could make a living out of it or anything like that. Exactly. It was just like hard to do it.
0: <laughs> had you been using any type of Icelandic herbs in the no, past? or? No, any... but
1: I am raised in the countryside. Okay. And my mother was a very keen gardener, so I was raised in that surrounding. And I knew all the flowers and played with them when I was a young child, that kind of thing. Okay. But I wasn't reading books or anything. No. I mean, it didn't exist, really. Okay. So I didn't have the access to it until I suddenly saw that interview. I was like, yeah. oh, I've got to do this, which was very weird.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> I also am wondering, because maybe this is the case or not, but you know, in some cultures, there is like medicinal medicine and whatever else. Is that something that is passed on in Iceland? Did you find that later on as you became an herbalist or has it just been like literally, like you said, this is one person who decided to go and then came back and realized there were all these?
1: No, there is actually a history, but okay. it's only one family.
0: Oh. So that
1: has been passed on in that family. And I think some of them are still working. I'm not quite sure actually here. I've met them. Very nice people, but I think they've all stopped working now, but their mother was uh, very well-known and her father, extremely well-known, as the herbalists in Iceland at the time. But it's always just been that one family, and I don't belong to that family, so I didn't learn from them, basically. And they just passed on the knowledge. They didn't go to schools to learn. It was just like those recipes, Mm -hmm. very valid and very nice, uh, but quite different from from the way I work in, in, in the sense I use the herbs. Okay.
0: And how did you go about getting your education? Did you have to go abroad? Were you yeah. able to be So uh,
1: I went to England after those five months There I applied to the school. And it was a four-year okay. full-time study, equivalent of uh, of a bachelor degree at the time. Okay. It became actually a degree, I think, three years later after I finished the school. So I just about missed that one. Okay. I, had, <laughs> I had a diploma in it instead. But whereas now, today, you can go on and have a bachelor degree and master's degree and a doctorate oh, wow. in herbalism. It's all in England. It's okay. the strongest tradition in terms of education is in England I didn't know. and also there is the uh, the, um, the National Institute of medical herbalism which I, I do belong to and you can only get uh, a membership there if you actually have a have the proper qualification mm. so there are like strong
0: from a certain, like, certified university or yes, something like yes, that. Yes, yeah. that
1: kind of thing. So, and I go to conferences occasionally, that kind of thing. Yeah. So.
0: This is, like, slightly off topic, but... <laughs> I know. In Harry Potter, you know how they have, like, Hogwarts and they have, like, their botany. And so this... Uh, that's what I think of when I right. think of herbalism. Okay. It's like, even though I know it's not the same. Harry it's like, like, Potter? <laughs> I thought of that. like, some of the plants are, like, coming alive. And it's so, you know, it's just... Right, There's okay. this kind of mystical aspect to it because you are growing something. And it is, you know, uh-huh. then, you know, harvesting it to use... It's, like I said, very, <laughs> it's, it's somewhat the child in me. <laughs> but I also kind of like that. It's interesting that you can have this full education, like you said, on, in herbalism and then go on. And ap- right after that, did you go on then to try to be a professional?
1: Yes. No, I started right away, yeah, basically. Awesome. Well, not quite. I, I went and, and, and lived in South America for a while. But then I came back to Iceland and I set up my practice fairly young at that time and not that many people wanted to listen to somebody who was what, 24 or 5 or something. But anyway, I established the pra- practice and started practicing and uh, became quite well known fairly early because there were not many of us. Yeah. So that was fairly easy. And uh, I have more or less been practicing ever since with just few occasions when yeah. I stopped for a few months and that kind of thing. Okay. Otherwise I have actually been practicing
0: for the last 30 years in nice. Iceland as, uh, with consultation in my private practice. That's awesome. Mm. And in terms of in Iceland, how is herbalism perceived? Is it like well-received? Are people critical? Are they cautious? Like, you know, maybe it's a mix of all these things. (laughs) I always
1: get that question, so I'm not unfamiliar with it. When I did start practicing 30 years ago, it was not very well received yeah. at all very critical and a lot of prejudiced and just not very well known and and we have had to and there are more than me now have had to establish that that you can actually study this properly yeah as a I, I mean i'm mean, of similar education as doctors in some of the material mm-hmm. you know like physio physiology that kind of thing yeah but um so it has taken us uh, a long time to establish that, but I always claim, actually, it's thanks to Facebook. Mm, that, that social herbalism. media. Yes, because, <laughs> because I, I when Facebook started, I, I became very well known on the Facebook, and I'm actually the, like, the biggest, I think, the single woman operation in Iceland on <laughs> Facebook or something, so I have a huge following there. Yeah. And that became the opportunity to actually educate mm. people about herbalism
0: was mm-hmm. probably back in the day when Facebook would actually show your content to like everyone who followed you. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. It was my luck and yeah. that's why I became had had this huge following which I still do today. So <clears throat> literally I can not remember 10% of Iceland is following herbalism. In Iceland, <laughs> awesome. Which is absolutely enormous yeah. considering And another thing is because of that, I can see that, and I I have a son who's 25, and all his friends, for example, think it's perfectly normal to go to a herbalist because they know me. Right. And they were like coming to my house all the time and drinking herbs or whatever. So it's always that which changes things. So it's the, definitely the Facebook, yeah. and the younger generation knows me as a normal thing nice. from Facebook.
0: Yeah.
1: And whereas before that we didn't have that, so things have definitely changed quite a lot. But I do thank Facebook for quite yeah. a lot. Of <laughs> and I'm not joking there. It's
0: so uncommon to hear these days.
1: Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm grateful for Facebook.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, and I can only imagine. I mean, I'm sure there are still people now who have their, you know, opinions. But I'm glad that it's changed. It's evolved so much. There is time. a fair
1: amount of those uh, opinions in what they of course. Uh, but people can't just have them. Yeah. I mean, I have some of the medical profession is is unhappy about me. But then I have all the doctors I meet are very nice and yeah. pleasant about it. And some of them are my patients even. So there you go. So. Uh, I just ignore those <laughs> those who uh, are not into it. That's that's there. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're entitled to have that opinion and all that. And I mean, I'm not out to prove it to anyone either. Yeah. I just don't care, you know. I know what I'm doing, and I've been doing it for a long time, and I simply wouldn't be doing it if, if I thought it didn't work. It doesn't work like that. No. You wouldn't stay in a profession for 30 years, and no. you weren't sure what you were doing.
0: No. Or if it worked, you wouldn't also, do that. And also, like, people would say something, right? Well, exactly. Like, you wouldn't <laughs> so have <any> business. That's <laughs>
1: the other thing <laughs> and i've always had plenty of that so something must be working yeah. but people the thing is the general public is connected to nature
0: mm-hmm. the, and here
1: in iceland maybe more than in, in a big city like new york or something but here you are actually that connected so it is a normal thing for the general public to to believe in verticomers again that herbs will work right and they do have history in the families of the grandmother using yarrow, that kind of thing. I've often heard that story, okay. from all, specifically from elderly uh, or more older people, the older generation. But it's definitely that connection that people feel, yes, there
0: must be something there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you think about it, the earth nourishes us, right? Well, food. Right. And then herbs. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it goes hand in hand, and it's just so funny how we become disconnected from I know, it. I mean, I it's easy in, in bigger yeah. cities, like you said. But yeah. even here, I mean the way not, yes. modernization has been working has been a away mm. from natural resources a lot of the time and sometimes the new- well
1: the first thing i always when i have my private patients the first thing i do have to teach people always almost is that we are actually accountable for our own health mm. we are ourselves responsible for our own health yeah. not the doctor who gives the pill which i absolutely valid and good when needed yeah I'm not I'm not saying they're not good I I do like the medical profession too, Uh, and it should just work together it should be as
0: simple as that and that's what I am hoping that it becomes more like that where it's an integrated thing holistic medicine and I don't
1: I don't think it will in Iceland just like that that's not not the feeling I have I'm not working towards it either specifically but I have for example Visited China a number of times, and if you go into the chemist there, last time I was there, I went to the chemist and I was greeted by the doctor on the right hand side and the herbalist on the left hand mm. side, and asked which would you prefer, or do you want to mix it? Okay. So I mean, and that's just a normal chemist corner shop in the yeah. neighborhood I was living in. That's amazing. I know, and and we don't even think that, and but there it's totally normal. Yeah. It's that was they they were not thinking this was something sp- special right. or something. I was all gobsmacked but they were like what (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) then you go to the hospital and then there is somebody specific a herbalist absolutely um specifically educated in gynecology for example Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so they work on in the hospital alongside the medical profession as well and the research and so on because the tradition is so strong right yeah so it's different and the tradition isn't that strong here definitely not yeah Fascinating. We'll get there in the end. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think after my death, probably.
1: No. I'm not trying to change things right, as yeah. such. That's not my my aim, yeah. basically.
0: Yeah, I I also agree, I agree with you. I'm not against obviously modern medicine. It is of mat- course not. It's mat- fabulous. Yeah, exactly. For its own use, yeah. Yeah, exactly, but at the same time, it's like. I personally can say, and I know a lot of my friends. Like we've been disconnected from that type of thinking until later on, and you you know Google or whatever else, and you're like, oh mm. wait, there's a natural, re-. you know. So you yeah. go through this like
1: it usually happens when you get chronic diseases, you know, yeah. because then the medical profession is is extremely good with any kind of emergency. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, anybody would agree on that, and I I am in favor of things like penciling when needed and mm-hmm. steroids and so on. And they are needed definitely, and do wonderful job when 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 they are needed. But in in chronic situation, that's very often not the case. I mean, the me- the medicine are often have such so much side effects right. and and so forth, which the herbs don't have. Mm-hmm. And so what I am dealing with usually. I often call, call myself sort of the end station. <laughs> I'm the last person people come to after they've been with the medical position, profession for the last 20 years and nothing has worked. And then they end up with me as the last resort, that would be the word for yeah. it, yes. Does
0: that make it more difficult? Much though? more
1: difficult, yeah. but it's still amazing what you can actually do. You can sometimes do health a lot, in, okay. like after that long time. But of course, if you come after five years, it's much easier than yeah. after 30 years. True. goes, goes without saying, really. But uh, those so- so-called lifestyle diseases, I, well, what's, what's the word for that? Well, like mm. obesity, for example. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah.
0: You're saying, okay, based off of how you yes, live your life. how yeah. you live your life. We, I call, mean, are... we call it lifestyle diseases in Iceland. That actually fits. I'm not sure if I've heard it like that before, but it does no, fit no, when you think about I, it. No,
1: no, just the Icelandic translation okay. is correct. There is a word for it. I yeah. forgot <laughs>
0: what it is.
1: But anyway, that kind of ailment is what I get mainly. Mm,
0: okay. So, the, okay, that... that opens up a lot of different questions in my mind. But (laughs) I'm curious about the type of herbs here. I mean, Mm -hmm. is it... Because whenever people think of Iceland, if they've never been or they don't know anything about it, Mm -hmm. of course they think cold, hard to grow. And not to say that it isn't hard to grow, but there are things that do naturally grow here. So how many types of herbs can you find in Mm -hmm. Iceland?
1: Well, I I do know that fairly exactly, actually, (laughs) since I've written a whole book on the subject. There are about... Uh, in my humble opinion, because I, I did a lot of research on this, about 85 medicinal herbs. 85? Which is very little compared to other countries. Mm. You'll have thousands of them in other countries, or 500 or whatever. But it's still 85. Out of those 85... I would say easy to harvest, maybe 20. Okay. So some of them are not just rare, but just too little to pick even. I mean, it would take too long time and and you would spend days. uh, So you just don't even try because it's absolutely hopeless. (laughs) Uh, And I do know because I have tried it all. Okay. (laughs) Because that's my main thing. I harvest everything myself. Uh, and nobody else And does it with me. I always just do it on my own. So I do know it very well. Yeah. I'm probably the most worst uh, person in Iceland in terms of... Ha- I think nobody else harvests this like me, actually, like that. Um, which it must be quite time-consuming. Or... Oh, I spent yeah. the whole whole summer holidays doing that, like three months. I, I closed Whoa. down my practice and everything else. For the else. summer? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I don't do any production and... Uh, and no consultation during the summer so I have the free time to actually harvest okay. because in Iceland, as you know the weather is very unpredictable to yeah. say the least so I can't pick or harvest when or wildcraft when it's raining and it's mm. very often rains here so I'm running against the time I might wow. wake up early because I know it will start to rain at lunchtime in a particular part of the country and I'll drive early to pick before it rains what? because it might be the only time in the week and the week after the herb might be gone Wow. Or not as potent anymore. So I'm I'm really like this is this is a serious serious occupation in the summer for me. I'm yeah. like glued to the weather report. Which I don't care about otherwise. Yeah. That <laughs> is- so
0: 2018 must have been annoying.
1: Yes, it was a rather
0: <laughs> difficult summer. <laughs> and to give context to that to people who don't know, twenty eighteen was so rainy and yeah, so dreary and it's just it was a it was a difficult summer even if you didn't have to go pick herbs it just to exist in Iceland oh yeah I know because yeah. it was sad right it, it basically <laughs> was a summer that never came it was very difficult <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm sorry that that happened but 2019 was been good to you
1: absolutely it was yeah. absolutely wonderful but yeah. then we have like Volcanic eruptions <laughs> were difficult for me too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I couldn't pick in that area where we had the Eierfeldt-Layer good. Oh, wow. So I couldn't pick there that year or the year yeah. after. I didn't dare to, you know, because you didn't know how poisoned the,
0: the, the plants would be. Right. So you pick them and then you dry them and use them in your different concoctions, basically.
1: Yes. I don't actually, I don't always dry them. That's also oh. a specialty of mine. I very often use them fresh, huh? which is quite rare. Okay. Uh, and so I, I make make a thing called tinctures which is when you put herbs into alcohol, soak them in the alcohol for a certain period of time and then you sieve it and and then you have got the tincture. Mm And so I actually do all my tinctures, all the ones I, I have is the Icelandic herbs for fresh. So that means I'm making the tincture on the same day as I pick the herb. Nice. And so I might be driving into the night to actually get them fresh into the okay. alcohol. Because I really want them fresh there, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so that's that's quite a hard work doing it that way. But then I dry a fair amount too for teas and I use some old... Also in my creams, I also do fresh oils actually. So I am um, in one of my my healing ointment called Bliss Healing Balm. Then um, then I actually. Make the infused oil all from fresh herb as well, nice. which, which is I this, use
0: on my face. Which yes, is very the, helpful. yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: it's, it's the one you're using, <laughs> right? And but that makes a difference in terms of the activity, the active ingredients, and okay. so on. And I really like them fresh like that. Yeah. But it's a it's um it's time consuming. It, definitely it, it, it makes it more difficult. You have, I like challenging.
0: I, I see <laughs> that you have like the exact opposite of most people's summers, where it's like that's where I mean it's I mean you're, you're like a farmer kind of. Yes, right?
1: no, it's exactly the same. As just getting the hay in, that yeah. kind of thing. It's the same thing, absolutely. Wow. But the thing is, I enjoy it so much. And yeah. for me, it's like a, it's like a meditation, you know? Mm. I, I, I think I could say that, definitely. I really enjoy being on my own and just with the plants. And I'm not sitting there cross-legged and meditating.
0: <laughs> not at all, quite the opposite. <laughs> Doing yoga. <laughs> but it does
1: have the same effect, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm being out in
0: nature and all the...
1: Absolutely. Know? And, you know, the smell and the taste and you're completely yeah. connected to the plants. And I do also believe that kind of energy sort of infuses in the medicine that you're making, mm-hmm. because all these things matter in the end.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Hmm. That's really cool. Okay. <laughs> and in the book that you mentioned uh, about Icelandic herbs and their medicinal use, mm-hmm. so this is it's like an encyclopedia, basically, of these different types of herbs in Iceland. Yes. And when you know if a person is it mostly for like people who were in Iceland to use or would it be available meaning like useful to someone who's outside of Iceland?
1: Oh it's actually very useful outside of Iceland for example in America both in 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 North America and in uh, what would you say North America and Canada?
0: Yeah well it's part of North America. Yeah yeah, I know Canada and
1: America then uh, actually all of those plants, I think with the exception of maybe one, mm. exist. Because my colleagues in uh, in America, I have lots of, of, of friends and colleagues in America which are herbalists, and so so they have actually gone through the book and they're using it teaching in America, nice. for example, In one of the schools is using it as a material to teach. Okay. So definitely you can use it outside of it. But okay. they're rather specific, some of them nevertheless. You're but right. some of them are very common in many countries, so yeah. not a problem.
0: But do you think there's a difference in... If they were to get the herbs from Iceland, then, of course, where they're getting it, say, in the U.S. or something.
1: Mm, it depends. Uh, I often get asked that question, too. <laughs> and, and also people are claiming that that the herbs here are unusually good and unus- unusually potent, that kind of mm. thing whereas I'm not quite sure I mean I have I go to America and have good friends who grow there and I think the herbs they are growing are mm-hmm. very potent too so I wouldn't actually make that distinction
0: yeah
1: As uh, it's been researched a little bit because the season is so short right so you should have more concentration of the active ingredients something like that I don't quite believe it I think mm-hmm. it's like if you do it in the right condition wherever you are it doesn't really matter Iceland is not we Icelanders we have a tendency to think everything is best yeah. in Iceland I mean, it's like like a strong tendency for yes. the nation. You you know that. Bestie Hamey. Bestie
0: Hame, hey and
1: that's exactly <laughs> the, the same thing that they claim about the herbs. And uh, uh, I doubt it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is that because Iceland has this mysteriousness to it, other people start to buy into it too. Not to say that there aren't things here that are, are better. Like the water yeah, it, is yeah, yeah. obviously better. It, it is Air very quality, good. stuff like that, right? Yeah. But yeah, like you're saying, this it's is like, like a very
1: strong tendency. Yeah, you I also just
0: say. feel better. You're like, but I got it from my.
1: <laughs> right, so. We are so small, we have to inflate ourselves mm-hmm. somehow. I think that's that's all it is, you know? But I, I kind of doubt that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. You also have a, a skincare line that you... We have one in Iceland, but you started another one recently. Yes. That is for export.
1: That's right. And mm-hmm. that
0: is quite fascinating to me because of the mission behind it.
1: Right, and
0: yes. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, that's, the, that's a weird one, people think. Yeah. <laughs> It's like almost coming out of the closet. <laughs> I'm not joking because people think I'm so weird when I start talking about that. So uh, I've been making those cream or that skin collection in Iceland for a long time. It's been going very well and a lot of people have asked me over the years if I wasn't gonna export. I mean, I'm constantly getting asking asked can you send me to whatever country and I'd I have denied it so far yeah I just didn't want the hassle I had enough to do here enough income as well and all that and it wasn't appealing to me basically because I don't have the uh, the the need to become with a bigger company yeah. that kind of thing I don't have that kind of need basically nothing wrong with it but it's just not me and I constantly gets asked those questions when I gonna sell to people who have been here in Iceland they they often Come back to me and ask, Mm. can you send me to France or Germany or whatever? Yeah. And I've very rarely done that. You have to, like, kind of (laughs) really twist my thumb to do that. (laughs) But anyway, until I decided I've been following the the situation with refugees for quite a long time Mm now. The kind of stories behind that. And... uh, So I was following this photographer called Mohamed Mohaisin, who is a very well-known international photographer, on Instagram, I think it was, and uh, absolutely gorgeous photos. And so I started taking more notice of issues like the refugee issue. Empowerment of refugees and so forth whereas I wasn't from the general media. I wasn't taking much of a notice I mean you just get lost in there with all the other news But seeing seeing the photographs made it so personal and it was like you could see it It was straight from his heart what he was doing and so that made me question myself uh, What are you doing and I'm not doing I wasn't doing anything Uh, but I those photos actually made me want to do something. Mm -hmm. So this has been like brewing in myself. Could you say that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brewing for for a few years, until it actually came to the point like, what are you actually gonna do? Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, I could take the skincare collection and sell it abroad and let the profit go towards empowering refugees, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what I'm doing now. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. That is Thank beautiful. You. Thank and you. I believe you have a blog post about this actually that I'll link to in the show notes about like a soup recipe that changed your uh, life or yeah, something salad, like that. Salad dressing. Salad, salad dressing. There you go. A salad dressing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. That's a very far-fetched story. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to have far-fetched stories, you yeah. know. So, so the story, and it's perfectly true. People don't usually believe it, but that's, that's how my mind operates in a weird way. So, uh, quite a few years so this is before the uh, the photos um, of the refugees that I was I was looking at a salad recipe salad dressing recipe so I always liked salad dressing I just couldn't make them very well okay and I, I like cooking and I'm fairly sort of average good at it so that's not the problem but I just couldn't get a hang of how to make a good salad dressing mm-hmm. which was kind of silly yeah. so one day I thought this you can't go on like that anymore so I googled The best salad dressing. Okay. (laughs) Literally, I think I used those words. Something like that. And up came a salad dressing recipe by a very famous chef called Otto Lenghi, Mm -hmm. who people in the food world will definitely know. He runs a number of restaurants in London, Mm. Israel. And anyway, he's from Israel and started his business running a a restaurant with a Palestinian Arab, Sami. And uh, so I started... I saw that recipe and it was absolutely fabulous. It was the best recipe ever. So I started following Otto Lenke on Instagram mm. and Sami Tamimi, his friend, <laughs> and all their friends. Oh my goodness. And this was like such a Middle Eastern influence I yeah. didn't have before in my life. And because of that, that brought me to the, um, the photos I was talking about before. So yes, it's all because of a salad dressing <laughs> that I ended up exporting my skin collection abroad yeah. to empower refugees. You Very don't. long-winded, I know. <laughs>
0: you never know, right? It's funny that you even remembered that. Be you know, what I mean, like that. Piece yeah, of it was definitely a
1: turning point in my life. Yeah. That salad dressing. I mean, wow. the, the the minute thing can't be. You're just not aware of it at the moment, but it just the snowball effect became so big for me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know it's weird.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's cool though. I like that there is you know this fascinating twist, and it's still an evolving story. Obviously, it is. There's... Yeah. Well, it's still
1: starting. Yeah. It's still starting now. I think. <laughs> Because the thing is, I'm not so geared towards you have to make lots of money, that's that's never been sort of my main issue. But now I feel like it because I know what I'm going to use the money for. Right. I don't need it for myself as such, I just make my normal living here in Iceland. Yep. But I do want to actually sell a lot of that skincare collection. and. To put the profit towards empowering the refugees. Yeah, so like that. and that makes a totally when you have that kind of mission mm-hmm. it makes a total difference in how you actually operate I think. Right.
0: Yeah. And I will link to the the charities that you're yes, supporting. Those, yeah, I'm sure supporting... because that's what's important, right? Is exactly. that you have like these specific yeah. ones that you yeah. chose that Yeah, are the
1: three important. three charities mm-hmm. I'm already supporting. And and then I of course plan to support them a lot more. I'm just supporting them minutely at the moment. Mm-hmm. But once the, the collection grows, I hope to be able to to give them a decent amount because yeah. they're doing excellent work, all three of them. And I've been following those three for a long time yeah. too.
0: So awesome. Mm. Great. <laughs> and I'm gonna end off with a question that I ask everybody. And there's usually um Fascinating answers to this. Right, so, this sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? Oh my god. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what a weird question. <laughs> I have to think of something on the spot. You could have several. That's right,
1: okay. I've never ever thought about this in my life. Mm-hmm. I could, of course, come up with the um, the absolute favorite sentence of all Icelanders, that the red. Yes, yeah. You, you know that one, I'm sure you're spoken about that one. Well, there have been contests. I don't know if you're aware of it, there have been contests in Iceland about the most beautiful mm-hmm. words, right? Yeah. You've probably done podcasts on those. <laughs> and uh, I remember it being words like, for light and for midwives, mm-hmm. those kind of things are, are beautiful in the language, for yes. example. But
0: phrases... Mm. Or do you have, like, a favorite herb in the way you say it in Icelandic? Do you know, like this...
1: Right, herbs I'm better on. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, let's think of a beautiful herb, Blodberg. Blådberg. Blådberg, which is... A- yeah. Blowperk. Yeah. And that means the blood on the stone. Mm. Because it's it's purple like blood. And this is Arctic time. Yeah. So the garden thyme, people yeah. use for cooking. This is the, uh, the Icelandic version of the garden thyme, which Love. is wild. Yeah. And it is one of my favorite. It smells gorgeous. Very difficult to pick and, and okay. get a lot of it. But I pick it for my, for my acne remedy, which is uh, the most popular product I have here in Iceland for okay. acne and spots. Yeah. But blodberg, that word, is pretty. Yeah, it Definitely. is. It is.
0: And I think there's like a, even a music... Uh, band or something named this? Or, uh, could be actually. Or a song. It might be a song. Could I've seen be. something like yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. A really cool. Word. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.